0: Hello and welcome to Adam Analyzes. My name is Adam and I'll be your host. So with New Year's Eve and the tail end of Christmas and everything, I decided to take a week off. So hopefully you missed the sound of my voice and you actually got a chance to do a lot of things with your family or those closest to you. Either way, I hope it was a great one for you. You had a good Christmas and also a happy and safe new year. But, since Christmas and December is over, it means we can dive into some other types of films. This episode is going to be somewhat of a double feature, and you'll probably see why once I do a little bit more with my introduction. So, let's get into it. Director James Gunn has come under fire lately because it seems like he's going to reboot the DC Universe. Many fans of Zack Snyder's films, myself included. However, I'm not one of the scary supporters of Zack Snyder's universe. Some people take things way too far, and really, everybody just needs to calm down a little bit as far as that goes. But anyway, James Gunn announced that Henry Cavill would not be back as Superman, but I kind of got the feeling that it would be for the moment. It seems that James Gunn's reboot of Superman is going to focus on a younger Superman, which honestly isn't a bad idea. It's just a shame that Henry Cavill couldn't fit that role, assumingly because of his age. Or we could go to the even bolder statement and say it was because James Gunn wants to completely reboot everything in the DCU. For me, it's kind of exciting and scary at the same time, mostly because I liked what Snyder was doing and I liked that universe. I liked the people that were cast in the roles of these superheroes that are very well known. But it's also exciting because I know that James Gunn definitely has a love for comic books as well as superheroes in general. I am a fan of his work. I think a lot of his films that are out there aren't really for a mainstream audience, yet somehow a lot of them made their way to being mainstream entertainment. The most impressive thing about him is you can still see that he has little elements of his early trauma days in even the biggest budget of his films. I will say though, if he does do a complete reboot of the DC universe and recast Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, etc., and doesn't actually recast any of his Suicide Squad, then that's probably not gonna be a good look. I think I'm going to continue my talk on where James Gunn might be going with the DCU. And if I feel it's going to be a total reboot at the end of this episode, because mostly this episode is going to be focusing on one of James Gunn's earliest directorial efforts. And then also I'm going to talk about, at the end of the episode, not just about what I think's happening with the DC Universe, but also I'm going to revisit one of James Gunn's unofficial DC films. It's kind of cheating to call it that, but when you watch the movie, you definitely know what they're getting at. And he didn't even direct this one or even write it. However, he was producer, and his stamp seems to be on it in a lot of scenes. And that film, of course, is Brightburn. And there's also a big reason of why I'm actually including Brightburn in this discussion today. And that's mostly because this has an interesting tie-in to tonight's film. So, here we go. I think it's time we announce the movie. Starring Rain Wilson, Elliot Page, Liv Tyler, Kevin Bacon, and a whole cast of James Gunn regulars, this is the 2010 James Gunn-directed Super. This one tells the story of Frank Darbo, played by Rain Wilson, whose wife, Sarah, falls for a dangerous drug dealer named Jock, who is played by Kevin Bacon. Sarah had some issues in the past with drugs and whatnot, and it seems that Frank was her savior. And when Sarah leaves Frank, it throws his world in an uproar, and he decides to one day be a superhero and get his wife back, even though she's not exactly being held against her will. This is where Frank feels that it's his calling to become the Crimson Bolt, a crime fighter that hits people over the head with a wrench and he also gets a sidekick along the way to help him fight crime with the character of Libby played by Elliot Page. Super is one of those films that when I first saw it I had no expectations going into it. I thought it was kind of a ripoff of the film Kick-Ass which I believe came out in the same year. However, while both films share a similarity of regular people wanting to be superheroes, They really are two different films, and I'm honestly sorry that I didn't see Super before I originally did. I think I probably saw it around 2014, 2015, somewhere around there, which was a few years after it came out. I prejudged the film, and I only watched it because I'm like, you know what? It's by the same guy that made Slither, so I might as well go ahead and watch it. I may enjoy it. I honestly was glad that I did, because it was a film that spoke to me, mostly because it was so multi-layered. Yeah, the premise and everything of this one is truly ridiculous. The idea of the Crimson Bolt just hitting people over the head with a wrench is hilarious. It's also incredibly violent. But at the same time, when we're getting all these ridiculous moments going on throughout, and even some difficult-to-see moments such as when his wife or ex-wife, well, they're not really divorced yet, but anyway, when she nearly gets raped by a drug lord, that's pretty difficult to witness on screen. And not only that, you can see when they show actor Michael Rooker's face that he's disgusted by the whole thing, which also, to me, added an interesting part to Jock's henchmen. But the movie is very multi-layered. At its heart, it's a very true emotional story. And also, it's a movie that shows how people can be manipulated by religion. Especially when it seems like their world has fallen apart. They're at that rock bottom point in their life. And all of a sudden, they feel that God speaks to them to make a positive change in their life. Most of the time, people would maybe go to rehab or something if they had drug issues and then maybe use church and religion as that crutch to replace that thing in their life. But Frank goes the complete opposite way and decides to be a superhero because he's going to rid the world of evil or what he dubs as evil. For you see, Frank gets this whole idea of becoming the Crimson Bolt after seeing a Christian-themed superhero show called The Holy Avenger, which is obviously meant to be a parody of Bible Man. It just so happens on this night where he feels that God spoke to him and that he witnessed this on TV with The Holy Avenger, he was flipping through channels and somehow came across some tentacle hentai. If you don't know what that is, look it up. Or don't, you'll be saving yourself some horror. Because when Frank has his vision, it's very close to what was being shown on that anime beforehand. So it shows two things here. One, how being overly religious could definitely lead to violence because you feel that you are doing things for the Lord. Or in this case, in reality, Frank is doing it for himself. He says that he's trying to win back his wife, and yes, he is. He really does want her back, but he's not thinking rationally. But it also is showing that when we're at our lowest points in our life, that yes, we are susceptible to religion more so than what we would have been before. And I think it's probably mostly because in our darkest moments, we need that little bit of light and positivity to know that there might be something better However, some people take it to the extreme, like Frank. You could also say that the character of Frank has a white knight syndrome of sorts, mostly because he feels like he saved Sarah before from a life of drugs and drinking, but yet he wants to do it again, and this time it's a little bit more of a dire situation. Because Frank is not just seeing the recovery process, he's actually seeing the addiction in real time. Maybe that spirals him a little bit further to do what he does and act irrationally. But you can also simplify things and just say that this is somebody that truly has a broken heart. And of course, when we have those issues in our lives, then we don't really do the things that we should. We don't actually grieve properly. We can do some crazy things. And that's where I think that this is probably one of the most personal movies that James Gunn has made in his career. Mostly because when he wrote this film, his marriage was falling apart. So this was more or less his healthy way of dealing with it, of taking a similar thing of what was happening in his life and making something comedic. But at the same time, there's some truly sad elements amongst all the ridiculous comedy stuff that's happening. And I will say, I'm acting like this movie is not a comedy, and it really is, and it's very funny. It made me laugh the first time I saw it, and now probably the tenth time or whatnot that I've seen this movie, it still makes me laugh. It's still hilarious. But I see a little bit more of the themes the more I watch it. Overall, it's surprising amongst all the vulgarity and violence in this film, that there's a sweetness to it similar to how in slither james gunn's previous film it's very sweet in its nature and approach with throwing in a whole bunch of violence and vulgarity which i'm assuming he got from his days at troma but even when you watch something like his first film which was Credited as a co-direction between James Gunn and Lloyd Kaufman, Tromeo and Juliet, you get the sense that he's trying to apply something a little bit different to the material. Yeah, some of the jokes and laughs are kind of juvenile. However, there's a certain level of maturity that's running all throughout all three of those films. I honestly think that's one of the big things of why I enjoy his films is mostly because there's a lot of different things going on. Yeah, we get those juvenile jokes and very dry moments, but I feel that James Gunn really knows how to handle characters and character development over that short little period of time that we're watching the film. He makes these films that have a bunch of misfits and people that don't necessarily fit in regular society. However, we can all see a little bit of ourselves in these characters. I can't help but feel throughout all of his films, he puts a little bit of himself into all of these characters. Even if the character of Frank Darbo is probably a representation of himself on screen and probably the truest... To what we would get with his thoughts. Super is also a film that I feel is perfectly cast. I think Rain Wilson as Frank Darbo is, is perfect. He provides the right amount of sarcasm and sincerity to the role of Frank Darbo. He really does inject a lot of heart into the character And also, we really feel for the guy, even though we know what he's doing is not necessarily the right thing. Even though he thinks it's the right thing. His speech at the end, when he's saying about, you don't do this and you don't do that, it's probably one of the funniest moments of the movie to me. He's so serious in it, but yet it comes across as comedic. And how he was able to convey that in just a few lines is absolutely incredible. It makes for a truly great, dramatic, comedic performance. I have to say that Elliot Page as Libby, as the slightly unhinged comic book store worker, he is pretty great in the role. It's a role that I like that it's over the top as far as the performance. It's one of those things that it's just truly hilarious with the way Libby laughs at people getting hurt when it's not exactly a funny situation. However, the reactions of Libby make it hilarious. Liv Tyler is good in a limited capacity. She doesn't really do a whole lot here, however, the few scenes that she's in. I like that she provides a definite vulnerability to her character, and we see how she may be led astray or even able to fall in love when she shouldn't do such a thing because she is in recovery. Kevin Bacon is also great here. He is truly a jackass. I know he's actually a nice guy in real life. However, here he does exactly what the role demands of him. And it's also good to see some of the James Gunn regulars make an appearance here, such as Michael Rooker and his brother, Sean Gunn. Super is a film that you get the feeling that James Gunn wanted to deconstruct the superhero genre, which in some ways he does. However, he injects it with a little bit more personality and personal experience than other films such as Kick-Ass failed to do. As much as the film Kick-Ass wanted to almost be a parody or deconstruction of superhero films, Throughout the movie, it winds up being exactly what it's trying to make fun of. So the message actually seems a little bit lost in Kick-Ass, where I think the idea is better represented in Super. Of course, I feel Watchmen is probably the best deconstruction of superheroes and the mythology and overall idea of a superhero, I think Watchmen can never be topped, and we do have a little bit of a parody of a certain scene in Watchmen that is presented in Super. However, with the way it's presented in Super, it doesn't come across as a deconstruction in that superheroes need to wear capes to get the juices flowing. Instead, it comes across as a little bit rapey, and it is kind of funny. Do not misquote me on that, I am not saying that rape is funny. But that's another example where back in 2010, it was a difference in the time. Things that might have been funny back then may not necessarily be funny now. However, it is kind of refreshing to see a film that is totally non-PC. But since Super was more or less a low-budget independent production, it really does give me the feeling that James Gunn made the movie that he, in fact, wanted to make. And one other thing about this one, considering Troma head Lloyd Kaufman actually makes a appearance here, it really does make me wonder why Troma decided not to produce this film. Maybe it was never delivered to Lloyd Kaufman and Troma. I have no idea. It might have been a budgetary thing. As we know, Troma films are generally very, very low budget. Super is a film that if Troma would have decided to put their name on it and pick it up, it might have actually helped elevate Troma a little bit higher as far as notoriety and that they can release something that's a little bit different. But considering Super has a lot of scenes that really do feel like they fit at home in a Troma production, it really does make me wonder. But hey, either way, it was great to see Lloyd Kaufman here. Overall, I feel like Super is one that you should definitely check out. If you have never seen it and you're in the mood for something goofy yet heartfelt, then it's definitely a movie that you might enjoy. Even if you don't enjoy it, you might appreciate it for some of its mature subject matter while incorporating some of the more sillier superhero-style tropes. It's tough to actually say which film I like from James Gunn the most. I think Super might be my favorite. But I really do love the Guardians of the Galaxy films, as well as Slither and The Suicide Squad. James Gunn really hasn't put out a directorial effort that he wrote and directed that has been weak. They've all been fun films, and they've also been different from our expectations. And that's all the more reason of why I'm getting a little worried with him being the head of DC or co-head of DC. And that's mostly because I'm going to miss his directorial efforts. Hopefully we still will get some directorial outputs, but I'm gonna guess the directorial outputs are going to be pretty slim moving forward. But either way, Super, if you haven't checked it out, I highly recommend that you do. So that right there concludes Super. And I think it's time that we move on to the film Brightburn. Brightburn was directed by David Yarovesky, and it's a film that was only produced by James Gunn. However, like I said earlier, it's a film that I really do feel like James Gunn's stamp is all over, even though he didn't actually direct or write this one. It's a film that was written by his other brother, Brian Gunn, and his cousin, Mark Gunn. It also just so happens to be the first time that James Gunn was involved with something that felt like it was DC-related, even though this is a film that is made outside of DC. For all intents and purposes, Brightburn tells the story of Superman. However, it's a dark Superman. This would be a Superman that kills people. If anything, this wouldn't even be Clark Kent. It would probably be more akin to this is what would happen if Zod came to Earth before Superman. Or maybe there was no Clark Kent. And all of the familiar tropes of the Superman lore and legacy are here. But they're spun on their head and they're taken in a completely different horror style spin. And honestly, I saw this way back in 2019. So roughly almost four years ago... And the movie still holds up, in my opinion. I just recently watched this one last night, as I thought it was important to re-watch it, specifically because this has a very fun tie to Super, with the Crimson Bolt actually making an appearance here in pitcher form. However, actor Michael Rooker makes an appearance as well, and he looks like the henchman from Super, and I'm pretty sure that he died in Super. Either way, it's a completely different character, but it's a little strange that he looks exactly the same in this one. But Brightburn is an interesting take on Superman. Of course, in comic book form, there's been many different dark Superman stories, as well as Superman being evil in general. So it's not exactly a new take. However, it's a new take in film form, and the fact that they made this... Outside of DC and change things just enough so they won't get sued it makes for a very fun time This in reality has nothing to do with DC or the DC universe DCEU whatever you want to call it However, it really does make for a fun Elseworlds type of story I really do like to consider the movie Brightburn as an interesting take on the Superman mythos even though the name Superman Clark Kent, Kal-El, none of that is ever mentioned. The main character's name is Brandon. Brandon Breyer, to be exact. So, in true superhero fashion, they have a first initial and last initial that are the same letter. So that was honestly a nice little touch. This is really going to be a quick rundown of Brightburn, as I discussed this film back in 2019 with Will, one of my buddies, as well as one of the co-hosts on Inner Honest Opinion, so if you want a full actual discussion, just go and dial all the way back to episodes from 2019, and it should be there. But Brightburn seemed to be the first time that James Gunn really wanted to dig into the DC superhero sandbox and made a film that was completely outside of Warner Brothers. Considering Warner Bros. has been a mess over the last couple years, and still is a mess, I don't think they would ever want to be a part of something like this, and that's really what makes Brightburn unique. Brightburn doesn't just turn the Superman mythos on its head, instead it seems to actually riff on what Zack Snyder was doing. Since there's a couple shots in this one that really, really look similar to what Zack Snyder had in Man of Steel. Me personally, I love Man of Steel. I know a lot of people don't like it, it does have its detractors, but I actually like what that film was doing. I like that it was a Superman that was questioning his own existence, whether he wanted to be bad or good. Brightburn answers that question with Superman straight up being bad and evil and killing people. For this movie, it works, and it's great to see a lot of the James Gunn regulars in here. We do have Elizabeth Banks, who of course was in Slither, and she did a great job in Slither. She does a great job here. We also have actor Stephen Blackheart, who was in Tromeo and Juliet, as well as Super, And, it's great to see him here. We also have Michael Rooker, who of course I mentioned earlier. And, it's fun to see actress Jennifer Holland, who of course is James Gunn's wife, and is in most things that he is doing nowadays. One of the more impressive things about this one is the film's violence. Yes, there's a lot of bloody, gory moments. It's not normal when it happens, however, the movie takes its time to build up to those surprising and shocking moments. And that's what makes me wonder if James Gunn was actually a fan of what Zack Snyder was doing with the DC Universe or not. I don't know if he was a fan of the darker elements of Snyder's films, and I don't think we ever will know that. The only true answer is going to be what James Gunn does in the future. I don't know if Brightburn actually targeted Zack Snyder and his DC films specifically, or if they were the DC films at the time that were fresh in people's minds of why we have these incredible similarities between Man of Steel and Brightburn. Of course, it could also just be a little wink-wink, nod-nod type of thing, because to the best of my knowledge, James Gunn and... Zack Snyder are actually pretty cool with each other as, to be honest, Zack Snyder's 2004 Dawn of the Dead that James Gunn wrote, it's truly a great film and a great remake even though it's a complete reimagining, which that movie had to be. I know that Brightburn has been criticized by audiences as well as critics as not diving deep enough into the mythology and I don't think we really needed a deep dive overall. Most of us who have been fans of comic books, comic book media in general, already know the story of Superman. This just allowed director David Yarovesky to dive deeper into a what-if situation, and it is something interesting because in the Snyder films, we never got that answer of what if Superman would have been bad. And that's where I think that Brightburn really fits in nicely, because we do have that question presented in the Snyderverse, as it's called. I don't think it'll be called that in the future. Maybe it will, just for simplicity's sake, but who knows? Because the Snyderverse that we all knew and some of us loved and some of us hated is essentially gone. But this one really does provide an answer to a question that maybe didn't deserve an answer, but it's nice to have it here overall for me personally i think brightburn is a great movie i liked it back in 2019 and i liked it on my recent rewatch it's a film that to me feels incredibly satisfying and the fact that brightburn more or less takes place in the same universe as super makes it all the more better for me i'd like to see a little continuity and link with films that may not necessarily be linked up and have outright ties to each other. As we know, Brightburn is not the first film to do this. There's lots of other films that reference other ones that may not necessarily tie in, or you think, hey, this is a movie that should be tied to this one. I mean, look at Peter Jackson with King Kong and how that has ties to his own film Dead Alive. So it works with the original King Kong, it works with his King Kong, because, hey, that rat monkey came from Skull Island. But, I'm getting a little off topic here, but I will say that Peter Jackson with Dead Alive and King Kong, whether you watch the 1933 one or the Peter Jackson remake, Reimagining, it makes for an interesting double feature. Just like Super and Brightburn would make for a interesting double feature. Overall, Brightburn, if you haven't checked it out, definitely do so. It's a good one. So here we go in the deeper dive of what I think James Gunn is going to do. I have no idea. I hope that this is a soft reboot and that we are more or less just going and putting aside what the Snyderverse has done. I do hope to see the return of Henry Cavill someday in the role of Superman. I do know that I will support this young Superman film that James Gunn is currently writing. I think that it would have to do the complete opposite thing as what Brightburn did. We can't go with a dark Superman again. We can't have that Superman questioning whether he wanted to be bad or good. I think we need to have a little bit more of that hope that we know from the character of Superman. However, I don't want Superman to just be the Boy Scout. I do want him to question a little bit of his actions, and if he does have good actions, well, what are the repercussions of those good actions? I think that we are most likely in the headways of a actual reboot of the DC Universe, and it might not actually be a bad thing. I don't necessarily want to see anybody recast or anything like that. However, it is already starting. So, if we do get these new takes, it would be nice if there's something that happens in The Flash with Flashpoint that completely changes everything. However, the old universe is in existence. I think that me, as a fan, I think I can accept that a little bit better. I do think that a lot of the Snyder fans that are reacting to James Gunn's announcements really really need to calm down they need to let him go and create and you know give it a chance and see it before you actually go and hate it how can you hate a film and what someone's trying to do before it's even out there i know it's human nature because we get attached to these characters that we originally see in these films i personally love henry cavill as superman well in the next superman film we are not getting that and that might be okay maybe the new guy cast maybe he's going to be even better i don't know i was disappointed and upset with the first announcement that cavill would not be back it was pretty heartbreaking especially seeing it in black adam however a hot take on this might be maybe we have the rock to blame for all this The Rock was trying to shoehorn Henry Cavill back into his film, and I don't even know if it was with good intentions. Was it because The Rock actually wanted to see Henry Cavill back? Or did he know that this was going to bring out the Snyderverse fans because they wanted to see that cameo, and thus making his Black Adam film become a larger part of DC, if not the face and head of DC, because we all know The Rock's ego. So for the most part, my thoughts on this is that everybody needs to just chill out a little bit. Yes, it's a big deal. Yes, it's a little sad. However, it could bring great things. And considering James Gunn has never exactly made anything weak so far, I think that it could be a-okay going forward. In a lot of ways, social media, I think, is to blame for general public sentiment. It allows people to voice their opinions, which is great because you're certainly allowed to voice your opinions. However, when you start threatening people, it's not a good thing at all, especially if they're death threats. This is over entertainment and movie, and it's simply not cool. I don't see where you feel that that would be okay to do because it certainly isn't. It also makes me wonder if it was right for Paramount to actually go and change the character of Sonic in Sonic the Hedgehog. Mostly because Sonic the Hedgehog, people hated the design. They wanted one to look like the original games. However, Paramount went and said, we listened to your complaints and we're changing it. So you're giving in to the people that are complaining, which is fine. But when you do that, you're also giving into the demands of people. Which we should be entitled to more or less choose what we want to watch. But if you don't like it, then just choose not to watch it. You don't necessarily have to bully anybody into anything because this isn't what you want. I recently saw a thing with the upcoming Super Mario Brothers film. Everybody wants Charles Martinet to be the voice of Mario again. And I get that. But that voice would be pretty grating after about an hour and a half to two hours of film. And everybody's saying about Chris Pratt being so bad as the voice of Mario, which I understand the complaints. I don't think it's necessarily great, but I don't think it's awful either. But either way, somebody went and said it's time we start bullying Universal and Nintendo into making it happen which again is not cool. It's a very horrible approach to voicing your disapproval. And the same thing is with the Zack Snyder, James Gunn, WB, the whole situation around it. Just let the creators create, and if you don't like it, don't watch it. It's okay. The movie will still make money either way with or without you. And honestly, As much as I'm disappointed with the news, I'm going to go see it, mostly because I'm curious to see what's going to happen with the DC Universe. I always chose that over Marvel, mostly because I'm more partial to the DC characters than what I am with Marvel. Do I enjoy what Marvel was doing? Well, mostly. It got a little tiresome after a while, so I'm really curious to see if this is going to give me that fresh buzz with comic book films that I want. So one of the big takeaways here is let the creators create. If you don't like it, then don't see it. But bullying somebody into doing something that you want isn't necessarily the right way to go about anything. We also need to understand that we have no idea what James Gunn is actually going to do moving forward with the DC Universe. So. I think we need to just let it happen before we actually voice our concerns and our opinions. But with that being said, the two films tonight, Super and Brightburn, one directed by James Gunn, one only produced by James Gunn, they're both great entertainment and it's fun to think that they take place in the same universe. Definitely check them out if you're in the mood for something different and can manage to keep an open mind with everything especially with Brightburn's unique take on Superman. But I'm going to close out tonight's episode. As a reminder, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam If you don't do the whole social media thing, you can drop me an email at adamanalyzespodcast at gmail.com. And if you're enjoying my podcast, why not tell a friend about it? Tell two friends for that matter. Or if you have a free moment, I would greatly appreciate it if you would leave a five-star rating at the podcast listening platform of your choice. As it will allow me to reach new listeners as well as continue to create new content. Plus, I simply love those digital hugs. Yes, I'm bringing that back. But with that being said, remember to always be kind. I hope everyone had the happiest of holidays and is already off to a great start with the new year. And good night.